Shall we call this meeting to order? I haven't been into it, but it smells like it. smells like it. I call this meeting to order. Roll call. Trustee DeVries. Here. Trustee Banerjee. Here. Trustee Hernandez. Here. Trustee Bouquet. Here. Trustee Charland. Here. Trustee Shequin. Present. Trustee Jensen. Yeah. Trustee Lawrence. Here. Trustee Thompson. Here. We have a quorum. Excellent. So we will uh, get started with employee recognition. So, uh, Trustee DeVries, I'd like to, um, we have a special treat actually today, and, and Dr. Jamali is going to kick us off with that, and then we'll turn it over to the team for the presentations. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Louise. Thank you, Trustee DeVries. So, uh, next week will be Doctor's Day. So, we decided to make this employee recognition, special recognition for our doctors. Now, it's, it's, it's a hard task to, uh, to select the doctors who who are recognized. Uh, I think uh, sometimes we forget to recognize doctors, but you know, talking as a doctor myself, I think I'm recognized every time I touch a patient in our system. You know, the trust of the patient that they give to us, they come to us and, you know, talk to us about everything. Today we were talking about surgery. I mean, this is difficult conversation, you know, and, uh, and then uh, take off their clothes and telling us everything. This is a huge amount of, of trust that the human being gives to another human being. I think this is the best recognition we have. But we selected a number of doctors today who have helped us really uh, tremendously, and we probably forgot a lot of doctors, but those doctors who we selected have helped us with uh, our systemness, our clinical standardization, and really uh, joining all the three medical staff together. And I know everybody has worked in, uh, uh, in this alignment process. So uh, with this, I'm going to give the microphone to Mr. Jackson to start with the recognition. We have given you also like, a small uh, summary about the doctors who are going to be presented. So thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Good afternoon, trustees. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, have the opportunity to recognize a couple of uh, folks who make my life and my job a lot easier. So, first of all, I'd like to ask Dr. Magalong if he'd join me. Oh, right here. All right. Okay. So, the honoree, of course, is Dr. Elpino Magalong. He's the president of the medical staff at Alameda Hospital, and he, is, he was educated at the University of the Philippines College of Medicine. So, I'm going to share a few comments from his colleagues about him. Um, of course, I have the pleasure of working with many amazing physicians at both San Leandro and Alameda Hospital, and I'm honored to be able to recognize a great physician, Dr. Elpido Magalong, Jr. Dr. Magalong joined the Alameda Hospital medical staff in October 2003, and three years later in 2006, he joined the Alameda Health System medical staff. Dr. Magalong is a hospitalist and is a key physician leader at Alameda Hospital. He has served as chair of the medicine committee and is currently the president of the medical staff. As stated by one of our nurse leaders, Dr. Magalong is a pleasure to work with as he exemplifies teamwork with nursing and caring for our patients on the unit. As a leader, he carries himself with the utmost professionalism and is an amazing team leader. He listens and communicates with his colleagues, hospital leadership, and all staff in a manner that promotes the best outcomes in the care and treatment of our patients. He can be seen as quiet, but by no means does that mean his voice is not heard. Another leader stated, his kindness, common sense, and compassion towards patients is obvious when you speak with him or we are with him at the bedside. 
please join me in recognizing Dr. Elpido Magalong. Next up, I'd like to ask Dr. Steven Rosenthal to join me, please. The honoree is, of course, Dr. Steven J. Rosenthal, the Associate Chief Medical Officer for San Diego Hospital. He was educated at the University of California Davis School of Medicine. It is my honor and pleasure to speak a few words about Dr. Steven Rosenthal as we celebrate Alameda Health System physicians this afternoon. In preparation for this opportunity, I collected a few thoughts from some of the staff at San Angelo Hospital. They were asked to share their candid observations, and they said the following. We can always rely on him to approach any situation in a calm, thoughtful manner, putting the needs of our patients first and foremost. Dr. Rosenthal has shown such care and compassion to our patients who are facing end of life and need more information about palliative care. He puts patients and families at ease, and he truly takes the time to listen. I appreciate he took the time to do an in-service on palliative care to the nurses on the med surge units at San Diego Hospital. He is well respected and loved by his patients and their families. He demonstrates a passion for people and has a caring and approachable demeanor. Dr. Rosenthal has been very consistent in his passion and drive towards continuous improvement in quality health care in the 20 plus years that I've had an opportunity to know him. Those are from the staff and as for myself, Dr. Rosenthal embodies much of what is wonderful about the medical staff at San Angel Hospital. He's kind, compassionate, and a consummate professional, committed to the art and science of caring for others. Off script, I'm going to share a quick story. When we first got to San Angel, we did a, an ad campaign, and we asked a number of people to participate, and Dr. Rosenthal was willing to let us do, to participate. He'd take a picture, and so he was on billboards all over San Angel and in, in the East Bay. And it was a great picture. But what he told me was, he said, you know, my mother saw one of the billboards and she said, she thought I finally had made it. I was finally a success. <laughs> I assured him that he was already a success. So, Dr. Rosenthal, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good evening, uh, trustees and leaders. I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Michael Villania to accompany me up here. And I also want to recognize uh, Dr. Siddhartha, who also is, is here to support you as well, our interim chair of psychiatry. Well, it is with uh, tremendous pleasure, and, and, and um, I must say before uh, Dr. Villania came today, we actually had honored him before. I don't know if you all remember in November. Mm -hmm. And when we let him know we wanted to honor him again, he said, is, it, is, that, is that part of the process? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes. Um, he was our interim PES lead, and now Dr. Michael Villania is our permanent. And we are extremely pleased. And just by all, by all accounts, our senior uh, leadership as well as our staff, and quite frankly, our patients, um, it was a no question that we wanted to make sure he is recognized today. Um, so with that, I'll start. Dr. Michael Villania is our lead PES psych, uh, physician and psychiatrist three at John George Psychiatric Hospital. He, gra he graduated from the University of Virginia School of Medicine. 
Dr. Michael Melania has been an indispensable pillar of the Psychiatric Emergency Services John George Psychiatric Hospital since 2013. A few after, years after serving as a clinical psychiatrist, he was promoted to the interim lead role in November, October of 2017, and in February of 2018, he accepted the permanent lead position. Dr. Villanilla also serves as a lead psychiatrist with the consultation services at Highland Hospital and at both facilities he is involved in clinical care as well as in administration on a daily basis. It's not listed, but I wanted to also commend Dr. Villania because he is not only a working physician, but he truly is an operational um, um, magician, I'll say. Um, there are a lot of things we in, in leader and administration can say, make it so, and we hope and pray that it happens, but he is very... Um, very adept and actually has both the patient and the insights and the operational needs consistently at hand. So I just want to recognize him for that. Dr. Villanueva serves our patient population with compassion and confidence and his skill and work ethic create a wonderful model for his colleagues. He is always ready to meet a challenge and his problem-solving abilities have helped create a quick and effective solutions for every system problem that we that are met. During the last year, he was contributed to and led several initiatives, including standardizing the screening, suicides, uh, screening process, and ho hospital transfer from the psychiatric emergency services. And again, to remind, in, in November, we were very pleased, October, having visited by Joint Commission, um, Dr. Villanueva has been critical in sitting with the table to really make sure that we attend to patient throughput and safety issues. He is wonderful and has a wonderful ability to contribute humbly as well as a team member and to lead when needed, and he is able to lead from the front. It is well known in that it is pretty impossible to ruffle him, so the most you'll see from Dr. Maybe his pupils may constrict a bit and his eyebrow may twitch, but he is the consummate professional at all times. On a personal note, Dr. Villania enjoys being with nature and loves skiing, hiking, and spending time with his dog. Not only is he taking on a new responsibility at work this year, but he's also starting a new chapter in his personal life. We're very pleased to announce, whether he knew it or not, that he's also getting married to his partner 10 years later this year, and we could not be happier for him. Again, uh, Dr. Villanueva is a valued member of the physician leadership, and it is an he's an outstanding example of a physician and a psychiatrist. I'm extremely honored, and I'm sure all of our leaders are, to provide you with this. Thank you. Thank you, and, and mazel tov on your upcoming wedding. <laughs> Good afternoon, trustees and leaders. If Dr. Ye can come up, please. <clears throat> so Dr. Ye is our medical director of our South Shore facility, but has been incredibly instrumental in all of our Alameda sites. Um, he and the AIM group, Dr. Ye is the president of Alameda Inpatient Medical at Alameda Hospital, oversee multiple facilities, skilled nursing facilities, so they bring a great expertise to our area. So I'm proud to be uh, honoring and sharing this with you. Uh, Dr. Ye has been instrumental in the continuous improvement efforts of the skilled nursing facilities in Alameda. As the medical director of South Shore, Dr. Ye participates in our monthly performance improvement committee, assisting in implementing changes to ensure the highest level of care is provided for the residents, while ensuring the staff's needs are being addressed as well. The facility's standards of care, which include happy falls, weight loss, catheter use, and UTIs, are all well below state and national averages indicating the programs in place are having positive outcomes with our residents. 
Dr. Ye and the Ames will also provide care to residents in the subacute unit at Alameda Hospital, Parkridge, Fairmont, ensuring the highest level of care is standardized uh, across the sites and contributing to the three sites in Alameda continuing their overall CMS five-star rating for two years straight and residents and families having high satisfaction with care. I thank you for all you do for our residents and for our staff. You have been an integral partner and collaborator with all of our buildings. Thank you very much. everyone. Um, Tangerine left me hanging, so it's just me. <laughs> so I am really honored to present this award. Oh, do you want to come join me? Yeah, exactly. Barely in the award to Dr. Neha Gupta, who's our medical director for crime and ambulatory transformation. Unfortunately, Dr. Gupta is unable to join us today, so Dr. Rachel Baden, the chair of medicine, is going to be accepting this award on her behalf. Neha wouldn't tell you guys this, but she was actually happy she couldn't join because she's terrified of public recognition. The one, the first time she met Del Becky and he said nice things about her, she turned red and like wouldn't talk for a week. So, um, so when Dr. Gupta entered her role as the medical director of Prime a little over a year ago, she led the creation of an entire data capture, data validation, data reporting, quality performance improvement, and project governance infrastructure pretty much from scratch. Under her leadership, we transformed our approach to Prime from a multitude of individual stakeholder groups working in silos to a clear, consistent process that has now been expanded across SBUs and is serving as our organizational model for other large-scale quality initiatives like QIP that's coming down the pipeline. Her mastery of data analytics, ability to digest 1,000-page measure spec manuals from the state of California. I really think she's the only person in the state who's memorized the entire thing. Um, and commitment, despite all the technical details, to driving improvements for the care of our patients has been an essential part of our success in the Prime program and has certainly made um, my life in the CAO role significantly easier, and she's an invaluable member of our team. also get to stay up here to present the next award um, for ambulatory, which is to Dr. Blake Gregory. You can stand up here. Who's our medical director of the Highland K6 Adult Medicine Clinic. Dr. Gregory completed her medical degree at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School. I think there's other Southwestern alumni around here as well. Um, and her residency training at University of California, San Francisco. So we are thrilled to recognize Dr. Blake Gregory for her incredible contributions to AHS in the realm of patient care um, access in primary care specifically. In her capacity as the medical director for K6 Wellness, Dr. Gregory has made improving access for both new and established patients, one of her top priorities. Under her leadership, the clinics have standardized templates, and she now oversees not just adult medicine, but also pediatrics and women's, as of a few months ago, improved scheduling practices, and seen a dramatic drop in their wait times, both their next available appointment times and new patient wait times, as well as the increased ability to accommodate same-day and next-day patient needs. Most importantly, she's been shepherding her clinic through these changes with a patient-centered approach first and foremost. And I can attest to the amazing work that she's done in the realm of patient-centered design, training every single 
staff member and provider in design thinking and putting patient design-centered principles first to guide all of the work that they do in the clinic, as well as relying on data-driven improvement to test all of the changes that they make um, and demonstrate their successes. So we sincerely thank you for serving as a model physician leader in improving access for our patients. Good afternoon, trustees and leaders. Um, my name is Sylvia Lozano, and I'm the VP of System Transformation and Reengineering. And this is my first um, opportunity to present a recognition, and so I'm very, very excited. And I happen to have the longest list of physicians to present, and so that's even more exciting. But before I start bringing up the physicians, I do want to just share with you that all of these physicians are being recognized because of their efforts within the Clinical Standardization uh, for Excellence uh, initiatives. Each and every one of these physicians gave an enormous amount of time in working on initiatives that looked at variation across our system, looking at ways in which we could come together as a system for those clinical conditions that would have better outcomes for our patients, reduce readmissions, control costs, and at the end of the day, do the right thing for our, our patients and our system. And so I want to recognize all of that. And in order to be successful with these initiatives, we needed to come together as a collaborative team. We needed to engage uh, caregivers. We needed to have effective decision-making. And all of that happened was because of our physician leadership. And we couldn't have been as success successful as we have been um, if they hadn't come to the table. And so I am extremely, uh, we're extremely blessed, and I'm extremely honored to, to recognize them today. And so I know, I think Dr. Anuj Ori is not here. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, there you are. Come on up. I'd like to recognize Dr. Ori first. Um, Dr. Ori was the initiative sponsor for our med reconciliation process, the standardization of that. And just wanted to share with you, for those of you that don't understand that process, this is the process by which we identify the medications that patients are coming into our facility with, making sure we understand those as we begin adding other medications to their list, making sure that when patients are discharged, that they know the medications that they need to take in order to reduce readmission. This is also not only important for the patient, but it's also a patient safety, a regulatory requirement, and also affects the prime initiative. And so, um, Dr. Ori, um, there were a lot of comments. I had to uh, summarize them, but this is what the team said about you. Um, said, Dr. Ori assured, assured the engagement of physicians in the process that resulted in active and wide participation from multiple disciplines across all areas within the work group and in the system. He effectively facilitated discussions in order to reach a common understanding of barriers and solutions and to drive consensus decisions. His focus was always on what is the right thing to do and what is the right thing to do for the patient, and we heard that over and over. This focus and philosophy set the tone for the work and the outcomes. In addition to the sponsorship of the Med Reconciliation Initiative, I guess that wasn't enough just to do one, he was, strong, he was a strong commit, uh, contributor to the uh, CS4 Oversight Initiatives, actively participating, providing feedback in the development of standardized order sets. Members of this initiative stated that if it wasn't Dr. Early who brought this, who would have brought uh, this initiative forward, um, it wouldn't have been as successful. He had the critical uh, leadership that was needed for this initiative. His expertise, passion, and dedication to this project was evident every step of the way. 
Dr. Ori demonstrates a strong commitment to clinical standardization and the goals and the vision of systemness and CS4 in the organization. And I personally would like to thank you, Dr. Ori. I know the medical consideration team was one of the largest teams and went for a longer duration, and I think that's just a testament to your commitment to this initiative. So thank you very much. The next one I'd like to bring up is Dr. Baden. I think Dr. Baden is here. So Dr. Baden was our sponsor for the CS4 order set initiative that centered around COPD standardization, CHF, and general order sets. Once again, looking at the way in which we could standardize and which we deliver care to our patients and, and within those conditions. I know Dr. Baden and I had several conversations about I wish I could do more, um, but she had a full plate as, as the chair of the department that was uh, always available to us every step of the way. And so what the team said about Dr. Baden was Dr. Baden provided excellent leadership and definitely is well respected by others for the cl clinical expertise. Um, you could feel her power through the telephone line at times and that drew you in and you knew the importance of the initiative. She strongly advocated for ensuring evidence-based care guidelines were being incorporated into these order sets and challenged the team when considering to deviate from those guidelines. There were times in which people wanted to deviate and Dr. Baden would always say, why? Help me understand. While she may not have been able to attend all the sessions, she closely followed content development progress and jumped in as needed as a sponsor to mitigate any challenges. It was evident that she was fully supported um, the order set develop that she fully supported the uh, order set development process. She trusted her colleagues and subject matter experts that they would do what needed to be done in the decision making process and she supported as needed. Um, for me, um, I was very appreciative of Dr. Baden because she was uh, uh, very instrumental in getting MDs to the work groups, and so she was a very strong cheerleader and advocate for the initiative. So thank you very much, Dr. Baden. <clears throat> I think Dr. Dudorette is not here. Okay. So I will read her uh, right up. So Dr. Dudorette was the sponsor for the CS4A Stroke Care Initiative, and what was done in this particular initiative was looking at all the order sets and protocols um, on how we care for our stroke patients across the system. Um, what the staff and colleagues uh, said about Dr. Dudorette was that she takes great ownership and pride of stroke and clinical content, which was evident in her leadership of the team. She proactively shared the success and lessons learned of Alameda Stroke Program with the CS4E work group to inspire the standardization of these learnings across the system. She diligently reviewed stroke order sets throughout the development process to ensure the content reflected the most up-to-date clinical guidelines and best practices. She was actually one of the physicians that would attend all meetings to ensure the approval of uh, those order sets and protocols. She further ensured uh, the order set content supported physician order entry, workflows, and addressed various ordering needs based on stroke types, care level setting, transport coverage, as well as management of TPA adverse drug events. 
In her presentation at the State Organization Work, you could feel her passion and commitment to delivering excellent stroke care to our communities. One of the things I'd like to point out about Dr. Dudelitz's team was we had a very small scope for, for stroke. We were going to develop a few order sets, and that team was so excited that they wound up developing a stroke order set for every single type of stroke you could possibly have. And so as we tried to win them in, they kept saying, no, we need to do more for our stroke patients. So this is a testament to the passion that Dr. Dudelet infused into the team based on her great work at Alameda Hospital. So we should applaud for her. Next is Dr. Crozen. I'm really excited to present this one to Dr. Crozen because my first interaction with Dr. Crozen was, I'm, I, I don't want to go see an orthopedic because he scares me, but um, I've learned now that Dr. Crozen is simply a very passionate person. And so uh, Dr. Crozen, uh, he was the sponsor of the uh, CS4A Total Joint Replacement Initiative, so they were chartered with the responsibility of developing pre-op and post-op order sets. That depicted how we should care for patients that had hip and knee uh, uh, replacement surgery. So what the team said about Dr. Crozen is that Dr. Crozen was and is extremely passionate about the development of a comprehensive joint program that improves patient experience, quality care outcomes, length of stay, reduction in cost. He proactively reached out to the community surgeons for feedback and buy-in in order to set content to support the system level standardization and adoption. He also engaged anesthesia to ensure pain management alignment across specialties because that was the right thing to do for our patients. After the order set content development effort, Dr. Crozen continues to work collaboratively with infection prevention to further develop pre-op nurses screening programs, case management, and physical therapy departments. It was not uncommon for Dr. Crozen to sit in the room and say, who else touches my patient and what are they doing? Um, to improve um, also the discharge process and ensure nursing was doing what they needed to do for post-op care standardization. I haven't shared this with Dr. Crozen, um, uh, but it should not be a surprise to me, but we did uh, have survey results that went out to talk to the team about their experience, and Dr. Crozen um, had the highest rating uh, of a nine. He probably had about a ten if they didn't know he was a Washington Redskins fan. Um, but he clearly inspired the entire team to continue to push push them to do more and more for the patient, and, and he continues to do that in everything he does and in everything that I interact with him, so I'm honored to present him with this certificate. Okay. So I think it's just Dr. Singh that is left. Is that who we have? Yep. So I don't think Dr. Singh is here. So Dr. Singh, he was the sponsor of our sepsis initiative. And as you may know, sepsis is a life-threatening infection that occurs in the bloodstream. And um, and definitely can cause death and a lot of other bad things. And um, Dr. Uh, Singh is very passionate about making sure that we have evidence-based practice in our system and making sure that we are delivering that care one way across our system versus doing it three to six different ways across our system in order to have a better outcome. 
Um, so what the team said uh, about Dr. Singh is Dr. Singh assured engagement of physicians and a multidisciplinary work group team. He was a leader in future state design, and he actually had the team that went the longest for a 12-week period, and he still wants to do more. Um, and, we were, and he said he will assume the leadership role in that implementation of, of the new uh, sepsis workflow content and the tools as, as needed. In addition to his work on sepsis, Dr. Singh also contributed to the Stroke Order Set Initiative. Dr. Singh has demonstrated a strong commitment to excellence in patient care for these high-risk, high-impact areas, as well as has a pragmatic viewpoint for operationalizing um, new workflows, content, and tools. Um, I have to say I bow down to Dr. Singh, who had the most passionate team, the most controversial team, um, uh, because everyone had an opinion on how we deliver sepsis care within our system. And it took a phenomenal amount of time and conversation to reach consensus, but it was because of his exceptional um, uh, uh, communication skills, his ability to ask the tough questions, have that open-ended dialogue that made um, us so successful, and he was very instrumental in, in that success, and I wish we could be here today to, to give him this in person, um, but um, I would like to honor Dr. Singh. I think that's everybody. Well, I, uh, if I can add something for sure, I, I want to say that uh, as Dr. Jamalani mentioned earlier, this is obviously a small subset of the amazing providers that we have across the system. Uh, even within just the clinical standardization efforts, which was intended to be a six-month uh, you know, deployment for that whole process, all these providers and, and, and clinical leaders and staff and the groups came together and got all this done within three months. And so a tremendous amount of work. These were the leads, these were the individuals that helped keep everything together on point and focused. But there were countless others that were involved in the process and the fact that for the first time since I've been here, having providers from all three medical facilities, from all of our sites coming together, looking at these processes, looking at standardizing the delivery of care, it was phenomenal. So I want to congratulate everyone and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I, I just want to say from, <clears throat> from the board's perspective, I've been hearing about the amazing work that's happening in the trenches, so to speak, that then we get the dashboard that talks about, you know, primary care access and throughput and things like that. It's just amazing the work that you're doing. Um, I want to give a special thanks to the doctors that actually served on this board and, and come to us and, and on QPSC and um, and really been a voice for the rest of the providers and um, just remind you to, to be a loud voice. Um, we sometimes, if we need to be yelled at, yell at us, but do it nicely. Uh, but <laughs> but I just it's so important that we hear from you. And so I really appreciate that extra time that you all take to make the whole system better and to make sure that you're keeping us in line. So on behalf of the board, thank you. I think we're on for public comment now, correct? All right. Yep. All I have, I have three public speaker cards. The first is uh, John uh, Pearson. Uh, the next is uh, Jeff Blankenship. And then this last one seems to have several names. So it's Dr. Charlotte Wills, Victorino, Subram Subramanian. Subramanian, Palmer, Duong. Is that correct? So it's just like a group, so they can they can line up in the wings. Okay, they're already lined up. Great, thank you. 
Uh, good evening, everybody. Thank you for hearing us tonight. Uh, my name is John Pearson. You've, most of you have seen me before. I'm the AHS chapter president for SAU Local 10 to 1. We represent, as you know, around 2,800 workers at AHS. Um, and I'm here to let you know that despite the messaging that we've been hearing from you all and from HR, it's been really clear to our members in department after department that layoffs are coming. So the messaging that our members are hearing, um, I can give you some specific examples. In the freestanding clinics, manager Holly Garcia has been telling workers if they don't increase their productivity, they'll be laid off. Lenny Mayhack over at John George told admitting workers that they may not have a job soon. Uh, workers in the cafeteria at Fairmont are being told that if they don't work harder, they probably will lose their job. We have seen in some nursing departments, uh, nurses being told that they should take epic temp jobs and drop their permanent positions uh, in order to avoid layoffs. And then in the ICU, same kind of messaging uh, out to, to workers that layoffs are coming and you better, you better work harder, otherwise uh, they're going to be layoffs. We see this as really inappropriate. It's a threat to the job security of our members, and I believe really strongly that when we don't feel secure at work, we can't work to the top of our capabilities to take care of our patients, and that's bad in the end for our patients. Um, this isn't constructive, uh, and it makes us wonder and be very concerned about how AHS is spending its money. We're seeing layer upon layer of management getting added, and we're seeing freezing of open positions for bedside care. Um, and it makes us very, very concerned. Uh, we're seeing care management managers get hired, EHR implementers, lean workers, talent directors, corporate communications and talent management, but freezing of bedside care and the folks that actually do the work around here. Um, and this is occurring in the setting of what I've come to talk to you about many times before, already very short staffing. And I'm going to use my title of example because it's still happening, of not enough EVS workers to clean the rooms in the ER between patients, which ends in sticky floors with body fluids and other things on the floors, hair, that sort of thing, just to give you a really specific example of how this short staffing impacts us and our patients. Um, I want to point out one other thing, too. I see in the agenda for tonight you have a number of policies up for approval. One of them in particular caught our eye, and it's the one about coordinating meals with medical therapies. Um, over the past year, we've had conversations with basically anybody that will listen. Um, we've had a little bit of, of uh, productive conversation with nursing management, but now that we're seeing this in here, we're wondering if anybody's listening to us at all. So the problem here is about coordinating insulin delivery with meals. Um, and we've been bringing up this problem. Uh, one nurse in particular in the SDU has been bringing up the problem of this system right here that's been implemented and trialed not working. And in the end, you're going to end up shorting uh, diabetic patients on really important care. Um, so I, I urge you to reconsider. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Jeff Blankenship. Uh, I'm a chapter vice president for SEIU. I work in the radiology department, and I just want to share a couple things about staffing in radiology. Um, yesterday, my boss told me that we were three to four full-time employees over budget. Um, and folks in my department are already feeling spread very thin, struggling to um, take care of patients. 
and maintain a healthy work-life balance. Many of our annual vacation requests are being denied. Now, I looked at the, the whole year, there's only three, four consecutive days at a time available. Uh, so we can't use our PTO. We can't spend time with our families. Um, we need more CT techs, CAT scan techs, but uh, are being told we don't have enough extra staff to train existing staff members to do CT scans. Uh, also, we're being forced to work overtime to cover sick calls uh, if we get a sick call on the overnight shift um, because we don't have any part-time employees. We don't really have any SAM per diem employees available to pick up extra shifts. So if someone is being forced to work overtime when they don't want to, which means they're working tired, which is not safe for patients, especially if you're uh, giving people radiation. Um, and ultimately, the, the patients are the ones who will suffer if we have layoffs. Um, if we have to lose three to four FTEs, the wait times for critical exams will increase dramatically. Trauma patients, ICU patients will have to wait longer than they already are for CT scans, x-rays, MRIs. Um, and everyone at AHS, we keep hearing about this budget crisis, budget cuts, we gotta pay for EPIC, and the solutions we're hearing from managers is that it's gonna be layoffs. Um, it's that we're gonna be getting rid of people that are taking care of patients. Um, meanwhile, my department hired two new supervisors who uh, it's unclear exactly what they do, but they're not the ones taking care of patients. Thank you. Thank you. just wanted to just frame because uh, just so you know who we are we are the residency training program directors in surgery internal medicine and emergency medicine and um, teaching is a third word word in our AHS mission and we want to highlight this hopefully this is a dialogue not just for today but for future um, board of trustees meetings Dr. Palmer. thank you for the privilege of the microphone um, we take great pride as a teaching institution in the training that we give to residents um, and um, churning out outstanding clinicians that go out into the community so we wanted to celebrate with the match, the residency match happening last week, some of our excitement and our successes. Um, and to thank you again for your continued support of all the residents in the residency program. So from the general surgery program, we matched 16 outstanding new candidates, um, seven categoricals and nine um, preliminary. Um, they're coming from outstanding institutions, including Columbia, UC Irvine, UC Davis, Columbia. Um, so we're very proud of that. We also have the highest um, step one test scores that we've had, the average test score in, in our history of surgery. And I think more importantly, in line with the mission of the institution and the diverse population, we've matched four out of seven categoricals who are underrepresented minorities. Mm -hmm. So I think that fits perfectly in the mission that what we got, what we are trying to do, um, and they will fit well and, and serve our community well. Thank you for, sir, our, for your support and encouragement of our teaching programs. The 2018 match results are in for internal medicine, and we had another great year. In internal medicine this year, we matched 30 men and women who are remarkably diverse. As a group, they speak Arabic, Amharic, Cantonese, Vietnamese, Hmong, Spanish, Nepali, Thai, Japanese, Hindi, and other languages. We have matched 13 underrepresented men and women. 
Among this group are some accomplished researchers, novelists, and extraordinary advocates for health justice. We'll be welcoming one of the top five medical graduates from all of Ethiopia, one of the top three graduates from Baghdad, Iraq, two former Bay Area EMTs, a PhD, an MPH, and a former PA. We'll welcome an extraordinary group of advocates of many causes bound by one mission to care for the most vulnerable and provide the best care for all. Thank you. From emergency medicine, we had another record high number of applications. Uh, about half of all the applicants going into emergency medicine this year applied to Highland Hospital. Um, we have the highest selectivity rate of um, many of the programs that were in the 99th percentile, meaning it's incredibly competitive to rank here, to match here at Highland. Um, similar, similarly to um, the other programs here, we have top schools, and we have an incredibly diverse class. So five out of our 12 are underrepresented in medicine. Uh, a number of others are identified as ethnicities as other than something as white. Um, they are incredibly accomplished. There's two Fulbright scholars, a Rhodes scholar, somebody who taught Korea, uh, Korean in a middle school, and a former Alameda County EMT. Um, so we look forward to celebrating our successes as we go forward, and um, thank you. And I think I'm four seconds under, because that made me really nervous. So. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much. All right. That, that is the end of this uh, section of open comment or public comment. And uh, let's see where we are. My, your comment. Oh, it's my, it's my <laughs> How about that? Here we go. All right. So, um, I do, oh no, it's medical staff report. I'm sorry. Yeah. Keep on the medicine. Yeah, I know. I just, I just jump into the next page. Doctors. Okay. Uh, good. Thanks. Evening, uh, board and visitors. Uh, in terms of our medical staff uh, report to the board of trustees, the medical executive committee has continued to discuss a number of very important issues. Uh, I'll probably start off with wellness, although I think I'm, I'm probably identified as like the wellness uh, task force chair. This is an issue that is actually near and dear to all of the medical executive committee. In fact, in our closed session yesterday, we spent over half of our time discussing wellness resources and the need for improved wellness. Um, you may not know, but uh, 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 the Surgeon General uh, Murthy actually said that wellness is the number two plague facing um, healthcare in the United States right after the opioid crisis. Um, just the level of burnout not only contributes to um, um, various problems including uh, decreased quality, increased medication errors, uh, and near misses, um, as well as the recent, uh, as I said in our last session, the extremely high uh, physician suicide rate. So um, it is something that is uh, important to all of the physicians. It is something that we hear about um, on almost a daily basis. And, uh, the, and recently I have uh, been partnering with, uh, with uh, Mr. Finley and uh, Dr. Jamaluddin to figure out how to create a, a, a more of a wellness culture in, the, in our institutions and across our institutions. I think that it is something that is uh, not only vitally important, but it actually affects the it affects our trainees most of all. In dovetailing onto um, the public comments, I think that you know the the data from University of Washington and University of Oregon suggests that most uh, the people who use the wellness resources that are on site are traditionally interns and second year residents. 
I think by the time you've been in medicine for a few years, you have your own coping mechanisms down, you might be able to, to sort of deal with a very challenging um, practice environment in an easier fashion. But those are the ones who are, I think, having the most challenges. Those, there's plenty of documentation about physician errors and resident errors uh, when depressed, when anxious, when sleep deprived. Um, and it is all of those things that actually contribute to lesser quality care. Um, so I think that that is uh, something that is that really resonates with our staff. They, we see our trainees um, struggle. We see them not having access to what we feel would be a, a appropriate counseling resources, and I'm really glad that that we are trying to figure out how to create those resources for our uh, for our staffs. The Wellness Task Force not only has a proposal for counseling resources for uh, our staff, but also we're going to launch a monthly wellness series that will be broadcast um, to outline clinics, to Eastmont, to John George, and Fairmont. It'll all be on a, like a YouTube type of link. Um, and and uh, Gina Rappaport, our, uh, our head of wellness um, at, the, at the system level, um, has already started to schedule these, uh, these talks starting in July. So that's really exciting. Um, so needless to say, it's an ongoing conversation, um, and we are continuing to work on how to how to sort of create those resources. So I encourage you next month to ask me how our work, uh, how our task force is actually progressing. Um, we have a lot of really interesting creative ideas about how to fund some of these resources. Uh, so I think it's going to be, uh, I mean, it, obviously in these budgetary times it'll be a challenge, um, but I think it's really an important, uh, an important thing to ask me about um, as an ongoing basis. Don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, I'll, I'll be happy to, to share my experiences as well. Um, in addition, um, the, um, all of the, the chiefs have actually started to discuss um, ideal uh, structure for um, our medical staff uh, in, in the long term, not only sort of the unification of all three medical staffs, but also sort of the, what the right structure of staffs should be. Um, we have plenty of colleagues who work for different organizations that have a single unified medical staff. Um, so the question is, is, uh, is it better to have a um, a solely owned subsidi subsidiary medical group uh, like AHP, or is it best to have a single contract group like the Permanente, me Permanente Medical Group, which is a sort of a different structure entirely? Um, and I think all of the chiefs have discussed the importance of sort of just educating ourselves as to what the right structure is uh, for that. I think that's an important important question going forward. Um, in addition, the staffs have, have, as you can tell from the, the prior awards, have devoted many, many hours um, to both the CS4E uh, process as well as the electronic health record implementation and uh, we look forward to continuing to work on that. And then finally our surge plan has been uh, remarkably effective. Um, it is still a, a work in progress but we were in the code red uh, dangerously overcrowded hospital for about 25% of the time in January um, and that dropped to I believe about 6% um, in February. Thanks John. Uh, and so it has, uh, when those processes do follow standard work, tremendous things happen and, and uh, patients get moved and, and, um, and so that's, that's been great. It's just an ongoing process and we're really glad that the search team has been uh, created and uh, has been an effective force in uh, dealing with our hospital overcrowding situation. January was rough, uh, not only in the ED but on all the floors. Um, you could tell that the providers were really sort of at their wit's end on trying to, how to deal figure out how to deal with the uh, overcrowding situation. Um, and that's it for my report, unless you have further questions. Trustees, any questions? 
The flu is the worst part. Um, one of the challenges was that if a patient um, tested positive for flu, a lot of the, if a patient in, uh, as I recall, if a patient in a skilled facility, an outside facility tested positive for flu, they locked the facility down and weren't accepting further transfers into it. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of backlogged the number of patients who were waiting to actually get discharged. So it was a, it was a back door problem, not a front door problem. Um, as is most hospital overcrowding situations, it was just exacerbated when we have you know, 45, 50 beds in the ED and 25 are taken up with admitted patients waiting to go upstairs. That effectively, you know, drops the amount of beds we actually have to actively see patients, you know, cuts it in half or, or mm -hmm. even worse. Um, mm -hmm. And so we end up seeing a lot of patients in the lobby, um, which has led to some near misses and some challenges. Um, so. Thank you. Dr. Hearn, could you educate the board and, and everyone here on how we determine overcrowding and, and uh, what a code red is and all that kind of stuff? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Um, so overcrowding is, there's actually a really interesting score that was developed a number of years ago in New York. Um, it's called the NEDOX score. It's the National Emergency Department Overcrowding Score, and it takes into consideration a number of factors, total number of beds in the hospital, total number of beds in the ED, total number of people in the lobby, total number of people uh, on ventilators or um, respiratory machines, longest wait period to go upstairs into a bed, and longest wait period in the ED waiting room waiting to go into the emergency department. Um, and the score goes from zero to 200, and then once you hit 200, it's like magic, and it, you can't go higher than that. Um, so we hit, uh, we hit orange at 180, which we do fairly often. Um, but then once we hit red, we sort of stay in red and we can't go higher than 200. Um, and that's when the magic happens, uh, where we call a, a, a code red or a, or a, 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 not a code red, a surge, surge red, code red is a different. Um, and that's, we open the command center and uh, we uh, get people moving faster and we sort of, we change our priorities and, and uh, get the throughput uh, so that it doesn't feel as dangerous. And is this NEDOC score taken on a daily basis? Can you talk to us about the timing of Absolutely. So if you if we are in a green or yellow, I believe the NEDOC score is calculated every six hours. Is that right, John? It's calculated every six hours. If we're in orange or red, it's calculated every four. And that is by the charge nurse in the emergency department. And it's fairly easy to access, actually, if anybody wants to see it some time, if you want to tour the ED, um, we can go in. I'll show you exactly how to, how to access it. It's a drop-down link. It will tell you where we were for the last 48 hours or so. It's really interesting. And is that broadcasted out so that ambulances do not uh, come to our facility and have to shift to another? Interesting you should ask that. Um, we actually do not have, Alameda County does not have a diversion policy. Oh. Um, San Francisco still does, but Alameda County eliminated its diversion policy probably four years ago, I believe. I'm an EMS guy, so, so um, and it basically that um, in certain circumstances we the county can determine that we are overcrowded. We have we, can, we, we have to call, but it's their determination, not ours. Um, so it's not broadcast publicly. Um, but once we hit red or certain critical levels, we can call uh, dispatch and request that the supervisor sort of give us uh, uh, a little bit of a break. And sometimes they can do that for a couple hours. Um, but there's no actual diversion. Usually is an internal thing. And this is an external policy that the county EMS agency creates. Thank you. That's a good question. But each, but the other thing, the other interesting thing about what level we are at is that each department changes what they do based on 
what color we are. So as uh, so, it's not just zero to sixty or zero to a hundred. It's at green we do certain things. At yellow we change a little bit. At orange we get more dramatic in terms of how fast we turn things over. And at red then then more people are diverted to help discharge, move, etc. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I had a question on the wellness issue and the burnout. Do you find that, that burnout is, is, uh, has a higher prevalence in the hospitals versus our, our, our clinics, or is it across the board? You know, um, the national data suggests that it is across the board. However, the data also suggests that certain specialties are at greater risk uh, than others. So nationally, um, Emergency medicine is has the highest rate of burnout, um, which we are not. It's not. We're not very proud of that. Uh, usually, we like being number one, but not in this case. Um, <laughs> however, uh, it is clear that burnout affects a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of different specialties. Um, and burnout has a lot. It's it has many many components. And our for those of you who are able to attend the the med staff dinner in November when we had to speak from Stanford. It was fascinating to say that, you know, that part of it is practice efficiency, so that if you can practice in an efficient environment, yay epic, uh, where you just have a single a single tool to, to help see patients and things go faster, you are that is one clearly one portion of your overall wellness and resilience. Um, the other is sort of a culture of wellness in the institution and the other is sort of personal resilience and that your own personal um, the things that you draw on to gain strength and to gain power, and uh, maybe it's caffeine. <laughs> but um, that is clearly a part of it. So personal resilience is the three pillars. Personal resilience, a culture of wellness with an institution, so an institution that values wellness and says we value it enough to, to make a difference and that it, we know it's important for safety and quality. And then practice efficiency, which is a, uh, obviously a separate thing. Well, we're getting the practice efficiency part now, right? That's the plan. Mm -hmm. right. Any other questions? Proceed. Oh. Thank you. Great. Yeah. All right. Now it's my turn, right? Nope. Uh, no, no, no. Oh my gosh. Be short. Sorry. I'm beginning my report. Good evening. I'll be giving my report on behalf of the Alameda Hospital medical staff. Um, we're pleased to announce that Alameda Hospital passed the primary stroke center certification survey. So the Joint Commission surveyed the hospital last February 23, and the hospital has been certified as a primary stroke center since 2011. Uh, we're also um, uh, actively participating in the um, clinical standardization for excellence through the uh, System PNT and Clinical Practice Council, uh, where our, our physicians are actively involved in these two um, uh, committees and um, we were also given updates and timelines and detailed implementation plan uh, related to system-wide uh, electronic health records. At the same time, our physicians are actively engaged in um, the EHR uh, project as well. Uh, same thing with uh, Dr. Hearn had mentioned. Um, the medical staff has also uh, discussed um, the recent uh, changes with medical staff in, in terms of integration of clinical services across the system and um, especially and how it affects the community hospital and uh, the relationship of the medical staff with Alameda Health Partners and looking into the uh, governance structure of AHP. Uh, that's uh, also being discussed in within the medical staff committee meetings. 
Thank you. Trustees? Comments, questions? No? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I should just check my agenda to make sure <coughs> what I'm supposed to do at this point. Right? I have a new president, so I appreciate having, you know, vaccine yes, drivers kind of helping me keep the car on the road. Yeah, it's, it's, thank you for that. So, all right, I've, I've got a couple of items. Um, uh, so first, uh, just as I think many of you know, um, you know, David Cox is no longer with the organization as our CFO. Um, this is a personnel issue, and I will not discuss it in any further detail. Uh, however, I want to say that the continuity of financial oversight is crucial to the board. Um, therefore, I'm pleased to announce that the executive committee met today, and we authorized the CEO to negotiate an agreement with Toyin Associates to provide an interim CFO. Um, not only is Toyin one of the most experienced healthcare financial consulting firms in the nation, uh, they have intimate knowledge and familiarity with AHS stemming from their analytical work uh, that they performed on our system two to three years ago. Uh, I'm looking forward to the return and financial expertise helping the organization uh, continue on a successful path forward. Um, obviously, the, the details of the contract will have to be finalized by the board at our April meeting, uh, but the executive committee has uh, given our CEO the, 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 the path forward to, to do that negotiating to ensure that continuity. Um, and you may have more to add during your report. Um, I want to say that, uh, second, um, on a lighter note, all of our board members, as well as our CEO, our CMO, and our Vice President of Quality, uh, went to the Governance Institute uh, conference last week, or was that two weeks ago? It was two weeks? Last week, yeah, last week. Um, and it was um, a really productive uh, and informative invent, uh, uh, event uh, in regard to what hospitals and healthcare systems are facing across the country. Uh, it was an opportunity to get to know our fellow board members better, which should improve our functionality. Um, Third, uh, our board retreat is coming in, in this, this spring, uh, in April. Um, the, theme of the, retreat will be, yeah, the theme of the retreat will be providers, facilities, and finances. Uh, it's an opportunity to better un understand our doctors, our buildings, and our books. Um, uh, regarding providers, Dr. Bouquet has agreed to put together a piece to help the board uh, better understand our various provider groups and how we interact with them. Uh, on facilities, we will be conducting day one at Alameda Hospital. Uh, it, it's, um, we want to, uh, want to explore the upcoming facility needs at that site, um, which is why we'll be meeting there. Um, and those, uh, that discussion will factor yeah, into our, pardon? Yeah, <laughs> well, that would help, right. But that's going to factor into our budget conversations that, as we approve next fiscal year's budget. Um, day two will be at the Fairmont campus, which will give us an opportunity to get out away from the core, um, have some uh, visibility at our other sites, and also um, you know, start to, to dream and vision what could happen with Fairmont once we move the rehab uh, over, over to San Leandro, because that's certainly an asset that is worth tapping into, so we can talk about that. Um, Obviously, regarding finances, as stated earlier, this is a pressing issue as we prepare our next budget, so we're going to do a deep dive there. Um, I've asked uh, uh, Trustee Bouquet, or Dr. Bouquet, I don't know, which is more glorious, we call you. 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 you uh, uh, to, um, to work uh, with uh, Trustee Banerjee and Trustee Jensen to, to plan the, the details of the agenda with our CEO, um, since we're talking Alameda finances and audits and, and uh, providers. So that'll be our ad hoc uh, committee. Uh, and if anyone has anything else that they need me to add to the retreat, um, just, just let me know. I know you guys got the email yesterday. Um, 
Uh, I got the, the, the opportunity to tour the Alameda Sniff along with Trustee Thompson on um, uh, on Tuesday. Was that Tuesday? Monday. Um, it was this week. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a long week. Uh, anyway, it was it was great to, to just to, to get out and see the, the facility and, and meet with some of the, the, the providers and to meet with some of the patients that seem very happy to be to be there and actually in pretty good spirits. Um, and so that was that was wonderful. Um, and I think that is all I have to report, unless anyone has any questions for me. All right. Thanks. Yes, sir. Yeah, I would just echo your comment about uh, the tour. Uh, I've had two tours now, and um, it is very different when you're on a site talking to staff, talking to providers. And uh, so I, I'd encourage, I know there's, I've heard from other trustees, maybe they haven't received the opportunity to see all the sites. So I think it's important that we all really uh, double down on the commitment that we've made to um, see all the sites within, I think it's a year period. Mm -hmm. That's so remind the board of that commitment. Oh, that was the other thing. Uh, on that note, thank you. Um, not only will we be having a retreat at Alameda on day one and at uh, Fairmont on day two, uh, it's my intention for the rest of the year to have at least one or two of our regular board meetings at San Leandro Hospital and at Alameda Hospital. I think it gives those staff an opportunity to come and see what we do, and it gives us an opportunity to feel what they feel. And so that will be implemented uh, in the coming months. So um, just get ready and, and please plan accordingly, uh, depending on where you're driving from. Uh, you'll have plenty of advance warning. Uh, I know our AV people are probably not too happy about it, sorry. Uh, but um, uh, it's also an opportunity to get there a little early, maybe, and spend some time meeting people before before we meet and talk about and make decisions about their about their work. So, yeah. Great Southern Alameda County. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Good evening, trustees. I thought that was Sam Leander and other guests. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'll, I'll try to move uh, into my report. But before I do, I, I do want to, in the spirit of, of recognizing our our medical staff leaders and our uh, special thanks and congratulations to all the uh, providers who were recognized tonight and those who weren't, uh, as we said. Uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to recognize uh, uh, those doctors uh, uh, who are, are my uh, uh, right and left hands uh, who work in administration in various uh, capacities and bring their clinical expertise and their sensibilities to the, to the important decisions that we have to make as a team uh, and as an executive leadership uh, all the time. So, so uh, Dr. English uh, to my right here, uh, Dr. Jamal Adina Cross from the year, uh, Dr. Barbaria, who I think is, oh, she's still there, uh, who uh, I will embarrass for just a second. She just finished, along with Dr. Hussein, uh, their uh, fellowship with America's Central Hospitals, which is a national group for our uh, uh, safety net and teaching hospitals around the country. And she was with some of our leaders in uh, California um, doing some Hill visits, and I was getting texts from people like, who's this Dr. Barbaria? She's awesome. And I was like, stop looking at her. <laughs> she's, she's ours. Don't touch her. Uh, uh, no, but she, she, she is great, as, as are the others. And uh, Dr. Nick Parnio, who's, who's not here. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, I think on behalf of the leadership team, really do uh, want to say that their participation in, uh, in the leadership uh, uh, in so many different ways has 
really, really made a, a palpable difference, I believe, in our uh, the quality of the decisions we make, the quality of the engagement we make, our relationships with uh, the members of the medical staff, and, and, and uh, some of the uh, um, really impressive performance uh, improvements we've made, particularly in the ambulatory space and, and quality uh, in just a few months with Dr. Hussein in particular. So so I, I wanted to say that. And then one last thing before I uh, turn to my report. Uh, I shared with many of you uh, last week that um, uh, we were uh, sadly um, uh, informed that we're going to lose a very uh, important and uh, uh, invaluable uh, member of the team. Um, Mr. Richard Espinoza. Uh, we sent out an announcement to the organization and the in the morning started to uh, pour in right away. Uh, Richard, uh, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, uh, but because you may have left the room. Uh, yeah, can you stand for a second, please? Yeah. <laughs> Richard, um, you know, when, he, when I first got here, um, uh, Richard had uh, parts of the post-acute operations uh, before we uh, redesigned our, our SBUs and, and uh, James Jackson had another part and uh, uh, really um, uh, decided uh, that we really needed to uh, uh, leverage James's expertise in, in the community hospitals and and, uh, and, and Richard's and vast amount of expertise in post-acute and he has been just a a, a treasure trove of, of leadership skills, uh, expertise, uh, technical knowledge about uh, the post-acute space in, in ways that I've never seen in my career. And so um, I know that all of our leaders in quality and operations and uh, leadership and um, the clinical side are really going to miss you, uh, Richard. Um, you're not going far uh, geographically, so you know um, uh, we'll keep a wedge in the door uh, and keep the light and the heater on in case you want to come home. Uh, but no, we, we know you'll do well wherever you go, and we wish you nothing but success and uh, uh, we really do want to thank you for everything you've done for us in the time that you've been Could here. Could I just add and please. Please share, um, sure. at, at our last meeting you mentioned the lawyer and um, I have personal experience not um, with a number of people that I know personally who've been, um, who've been uh, staying at, at the um, Park Ridge Center and mm -hmm. it, it in, invariably and continually there's just so much support and respect and, and, and feeling of, oh my gosh, I thought it was going to go there and it was going to be terrible, but it's really great, you know, almost like, uh, I, I can say, no wonder there's, um, we have such a, such a low, um, such a high occupancy rate because people want to go there. They're, they really is a tribute to Richard and, and, and I actually was um, part of the board of Alameda Hospital before Richard arrived and, and um, he's he's tremendous. I, I I join you in saying farewell, but please don't forget us and you know <laughs> come back and anytime you. <laughs> thank you so much, Richard. Thank you. Thank you. I want to say thank you to all of you. Um, I've intersected with almost all of you, and it's uh, I've learned a great deal, and so I just I want to thank you, and I'm appreciative for the experience and for allowing me to. Um, touch as many residents and staff as I've been able to. So that has always been my goal, to try to make something better and leave it better than I found it. And so please leave that wedge in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it here, and I think we're on the verge of lots of great things. So thank you. Thank you. With that, I'll, I'll, I'll stop my uh, caveats and jump right in here. So um, we'll go through the uh, dashboard. I really didn't have a lot that I wanted to point out. Uh, uh, 
first, this will be the first month where I don't have to say you can't read this. We gave it to you in <laughs> countless forms, so I hope you've had a chance to see it and uh, uh, kind of uh, peer into it. Uh, happy to answer any questions. I'll only point out one area uh, in falls, and then I'll talk about epic performance status. Also, information we've given, but I've appended it with a little bit more that you might be interested in. And then finally, I'll uh, um, uh, add to the comments that our uh, president have made on some developments in the uh, interim CFO uh, um, support area. So. Uh, with the dashboard, you can't see this, uh, but it's in your packets. You've all seen it. Uh, 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 the month of February actually uh, has been a really, uh, it's been one of our most more favorable months as an organization uh, across all of the pillars. So you'll notice that I think, it, is it six, one, two, three, four, five, six areas that are less than 2% uh, away from the target uh, for the month of February. And so uh, really impressive performance across just about every, every pillar. And as I said, falls was the one area I wanted to point out. Uh, in the month of February, uh, compared to the month of January, we had a 50% drop across the organization in the number of falls that uh, happened, and uh, it was in no small part due to some incredible work on the part of our nursing staff across our system, and incredible working on the part of our support, uh, our quality team, and uh, our support from Dr. Hussein and his team, uh, really uh, stressing the best practices around falls prevention, uh, creating dash or not dashboards, but um, uh, what do you call them, um, boards and the units where people were uh, encouraged to talk about uh, incidents when they occurred, even if, if they were assisted falls, which we have to uh, report, uh, so no harm necessarily, but, but still a unplanned de-escalation to the floor. And so it really has elevated the expectations around uh, quality and uh, uh, patient support across the organization. And uh, uh, we, we started off a little um, with a little bit of a spike in the month of March, but we have stabilized. And uh, and I'll say that over this two-month period, I think I'm going to misquote this, uh, in, in uh, behavioral health and in one of the, is it two, two of the? 22 days of no falls uh, um, in John George and uh, San Leandro, is it? In San Leandro, yeah. So really incredible work there. And across the other parts of the organization, seven days with, with no falls, seven consecutive days with no falls. So really, really impressive work happening there. And I uh, really want to thank everybody for their support and uh, for their uh, 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 help with our patients to make sure they get a safe experience within our organization. Uh, again, I, anything else I'm happy to uh, discuss uh, if you have any questions about any of it, or I'll just keep going. Just to, okay. No, I, I wanted to say thank you, um, uh, especially to Ishwari for the, 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 the narrative. I, I just thought this month I just felt like I really knew exactly what was going on before I got here, and that's okay. like never happens. So, yeah, thank sorry. you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because <laughs> I, we know and and there was a reason why we should have been able to tell you beforehand, and yeah. so we're, we've gotten increasingly better at that, so I'm glad that yeah. you were able to get that. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. Okay. Keep it up. Thanks. All right. Um, okay, and then uh, Epic, so you also uh, received these updates in your packet, uh, but uh, just in a few areas, we are, we're still, we're still early on, we just kind of launched out at the end, or a soft launch, as it were, at the end of February when we had Epic on site, so, so we have sort of the pertinent pieces of updates here, but we're going to put this together in some form of, uh, of a routine and standard uh, um, uh, performance reporting uh, to, for you as well, but we wanted to just give you some uh, ongoing uh, update in the early stages, so uh, on the staffing front, as it's so we've reached our critical mass. We haven't staffed up entirely to the, I keep 
79, 75 uh, staff, uh, but we uh, are sufficiently along that uh, we are ready to launch into our training. And uh, you'll see, I have a picture of the uh, the staff who uh, started their training this week in Verona. Uh, they even found some snow to prove that they were there and not in San Francisco. Um, uh, so I'll show you that. But then uh, we worked out with up to to phase the training. So we have the group that started this week. We have a group that's going in April and then a group that's going in May. So we'll get everybody in, in quick succession here to to um, uh, complete the training. And this is the core build team that we're, we're that are going through the training now, so that they can do the requisite certification and be ready for the build uh, effort that launches uh, sensibly in July. I believe it is. Yes. Okay. Um, so again, training. Uh, talked about this. This is wave one started this week. These are the uh, modalities that they are getting trained on. Wave two in April and wave three in uh, May. Um, Third-party systems, we have uh, begun to um, in complete contract implement, uh, implementation with various um, third parties that will support the EPIC uh, uh, tool. Uh, these are all a part of the uh, budget. There are, there are others that were in process but are being aligned with EPIC, and as you can see, a lot of progress on this front as well. Uh, budget, just to say uh, we're early on, so we better be on budget. Uh, we are within our budget. We are not using any contingency, uh, so the activities are, are on, on schedule, and they are within budget. Uh, as planned. Um, uh, new office location, uh, the plans now are that, um, that, that we will uh, get uh, access to the building beginning in, uh, or the site on April 15th. We'll do our uh, make ready work uh, with the expectation that uh, the team will occupy at the beginning of May, uh, and so so we'll be ready to go there. And then next steps, finally, uh, Epic being on site in um, the middle of uh, April, and they're going to uh, continue to work with our EHR oversight committee and the rest of the leadership and the project team on our organizational scoping activities. We have effectively, I think it's five phases, one is like phase zero, and then and then the other four of the budget, or is it four? Oh, it's up to seven when you come to it's, it's seven total, but anyway. We'll, we'll finish that uh, scoping activity and uh, and get ready for uh, round, round one of our uh, direction setting uh, sessions that will be, uh, be in late May. Uh, so that was all uh, shared with you in advance, so I didn't want to spend a ton of time on that. Uh, I want to revisit uh, part of our conversation from last week to let you know. Uh, um, I had started conversations with the head of the Healthcare Services Agency around uh, benchmarks that have been identified in the uh, county's uh, approval of the, um, the strategic uh, funding uh, reserves. Um, uh, these were the three that, that are, were, are proposed. Uh, I sort of mentioned them to you, but I wanted to share with you exactly what they were. So it's a routine epic project status reports. Uh, Epic uh, shared with us that they produce reports for the leadership of the organization saying, from our vantage point, how are you doing with respect to staying on schedule with the project? What are your vulnerabilities? You know, are you in, you know, sort of a, um, what do you call it, a stoplight sort of set, uh, a setting? Are you green, yellow, or red? And uh, the county has asked us to share those reports. We will, uh, we're happy to do so. Obviously, this is all subject to uh, the whole thing, uh, subject to your U.S. concurrence, uh, but seems like a reasonable sort of thing to share, we will share it with you also. It's not, uh, you know, in the thing of partnership and transparency, I don't see any, I don't foresee any issues there. Uh, the second was about uh, the contingency funding, so just as sort of a uh, indicator of whether we are 
sort of uh, veering into uh, the yellow zone, as it were, on the project funding perspective, uh, to just be able to share, you know, are we on time on budget without tapping into the contingency, or are we there? Same sort of information we share with you, it's public. I don't, I, I don't foresee any issues with uh, sharing that as well. Uh, and then finally, this one uh, didn't have anything to do with Epic, per se, but about the global sort of uh, uh, operations of the organization, um, uh, some form of early notification of service adjustments, uh, and by that, uh, my understanding is it's major reductions in services or, or eliminations as we continue to evolve the organization to uh, align with the needs uh, of our patient population and our ability to live within our uh, fiscal uh, resources. So those are the three that are proposed. There's been no concurrence or final agreement on this, but I wanted to make sure uh, you knew what they were and I could share, you know, as I have my sentiments on. Uh, um, uh, I thought they were, you know, there's nothing overly concerning here, at least from my vantage point. Uh, there were other conditions, as you recall, uh, that we are still not, uh, we haven't had any additional discussion on yet. So trying to plan dis um, uh, meetings to talk about um, uh, the, 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 the main one was the uh, the capital um, uh, the capital reserve I'm sorry not reserves the uh, capital uh, contributions that we get from uh, reporting uh, uh, appreciate depreciation and interest on the asset uh, which is the county's asset and so uh, it was unrelated to this but it got put into the conditions and so we just need to figure out how to do it I don't foresee any major issues there but it's a matter of just getting that agreement now sort of scoped out uh, and you know. Sometimes you don't foresee anything, but in those processes, things can it can come up. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that. The, there was in that uh, document an expectation that this would be agreed upon by June 30th. And so we're trying to get it moving quickly here because we'd have to bring it through this board's process and the county's uh, uh, board processes to, to agree with that, I, I believe. And so uh, we'll figure that out and more to come as I, as I learn more. Um, so more on that. But I'm happy to answer any questions about that as well. Other trustees have a question first? I, I guess, would, would you be bringing back specific language yes. for the Board of Approval? At least that's my understanding of what the, uh, the language of the condition said, that we would actually agree uh, passion and uh, um, uh, complete an agreement with language. Uh, so. so those aren't the benchmarks, but rather topics that will be developed. I'm sorry, say that again? But those aren't benchmarks, but topics that are to be developed. Uh, no, the, the other conditions are not uh, topics. It was only one in particular. The others were like, did you uh, did you actually make the money and put it into the reserve before they sign off to give it to you? It makes perfect sense. Uh, but this was about specifically about the um, the capital cost claiming for interest and depreciation on the uh, county's capital assets. So so it's about the the process by which that would occur to make sure that you know everybody understands what that amount is that's being claimed, what reimbursement comes back from it, and then how that gets uh, routed to uh, the county. Does that does that answer your question? Uh, 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 I guess I'll have to say it. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy to talk to you. Well, the, the, I guess it's the term benchmarks versus reports or something. So I always always worry about a benchmark has a target. Yes, that's, that's a good how point. We have been, how we have been. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about the second part. You're right. I, I know no, that it's really more about report, reporting. Okay. Yes. Then it was called benchmarks, and so I called it that. But but. 
in the sort of pure sense. It's not like, you know, here's yeah, I didn't want to surprise later that here's a benchmark that you have to meet, and here's another benchmark that you have to meet, and here, and no, 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 no. So <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to understand that it's not a benchmark, but a report that we work to give them. At least as it's been proposed to me right now, and, and I understand that this is, this is the language that I uh, took down from the conversation and their work in the established performance levels, it was uh, you will, you will, the, the benchmark was effectively, you will provide timely reporting of these things. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, just really quick, on the depreciation issue and the county reinvestment of that, or the county claiming of that, we had talked about a, a caveat that 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 funding should be for county health facilities as right. opposed to other facilities. Are we going to still try to... That is, the, that that, those are the discussions that are yet to occur, but yes, that is, I think, I, I, I I truly believe that was in spirit of the uh, uh, the, um, uh, the the verbiage, but you know I don't know that since I wasn't involved, and I was just sort of clarifying that. But yes, that's that's what I seek to clarify. We're, we're a little biased here, right? Yeah, in, in for for healthcare, right? Um, and I, I love the fact that we'll have an agreement or, or, or some standards. I think it just it kind of keeps us all on the same page. I think it can do nothing but strengthen our relationship with our county partners that we all are are you know playing at the same table. So. Yes. Other questions about this? Okay. Uh, quickly, the Kaiser event, you can't, uh, you've seen this before. I shared it last month, and I also shared it in the Finance Committee the month before. Uh, but I'm going to focus on the Red Square, which is the first uh, part of it. We have four, um, um, That's four sort of time frames. Sorry. My color blind. Is that red? Sorry, did I say red? <laughs> yes, it's blue. Okay. It was red in my head when I tried to create the slide. <laughs> then I made it, and it was blue, and I went with it. So it is red, yes. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out, Trustee DeVries. Uh, <laughs> so this is, this is what was in that red, I mean, bluish box that you saw uh, by June 30th. So you can see this now. Um, uh, those are the conditions for the first part. And as I uh, remind you, when we came up with the uh, milestones with uh, for the Kaiser Grant, we did it in concert with looking at our project schedule for EPIC. So these all made sense. And uh, the check that the checkbox are taken out that we've actually already achieved all of these. So and, and with your support, obviously, uh, the negotiation and the execution of the contract, the space lease, uh, some of the other things were some of, uh, included in the updates, like the project team and initiating the training, the governance structure we already had in place, some of the CS3E work you heard about before was a part of our pre-epic implementation stuff, creating that governance structure. So, so that's there, the ongoing work there, but that's effectively done, and then the implementation of the technology framework is all done as well. So, so we're working with Kaiser to, you know, re uh, report this out. We are well ahead of schedule for this now. Uh, uh, and to um, uh, to facilitate the, um, the the transfer of the first bonus of dollars, and uh, they allowed us to front load it. So uh, we're, we're effective by June 30th. Expect, and I meant to point this out. I apologize, Rada. Uh, in the minutes, you you reflect in the same two million. Uh, it's actually 10 million uh, for the first uh, for this uh, phase of our work. So we're expecting to get that uh, uh, by this uh, within this fiscal year. So so uh, more to come on that. And that's pretty much it. This is a picture of the team that's in Florida. There's snow behind them there, so they are actually in Wisconsin. Uh, and I'm told they are actually training. Uh, and we're really excited uh, uh, to have the team there and to, to really uh, reflect that we are, we are out of the gates, effectively, uh, uh, with this work. And thank you uh, uh, for your support, again, for this. And then finally, um, uh, the interim C CFO. So I want to thank the executive committee uh, uh, for the emergency meeting and, and the authorization to uh, uh, 
uh, work on a contract uh, for interim CFO support. Uh, as Trustee DeVries mentioned, uh, DeVries mentioned uh, uh, we were working with Toyon for all the reasons that you indicated, um, a reputable organization, uh, well regarded in the state of California, particularly in the safety net space, particularly in Alameda County for the work that they've done with the county and with us. And I'm happy to say that uh, as of about 30 minutes ago, I got confirmation that we have a contract and that uh, Nancy Katz uh, from Toyon Associates will be serving as our interim CFO. Um, and so uh, we're really excited about having Nancy on board. She knows the organization well. Um, I'm excited to work with her um, uh, in, in a little bit more intimately. She's uh, very well regarded. Uh, some of you may know she served for a while as the CFO for Santa Clara uh, County. Uh, uh, very uh, um, well regarded system, slightly ahead of us. They've been on Epic for a while. They've been uh, fully capitated for quite a while. So we're, we're looking to bring her uh, knowledge of finances, but as well her experience in a, uh, in a great uh, uh, and uh, aligned uh, public system in California to, to bear. Um, and after we get this up and launched, uh, I'll immediately turn my attention with your support towards a, a permanent uh, um, uh, replacement. And so we'll go from there. So with that, I'm happy to entertain uh, any questions that you may have about this or anything else. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> I don't know what's next. Uh, our consent agenda. Oh, okay. Um, I actually would like to pull an item off the consent agenda. It's the policy oh, and yeah, oh, the last one. Protocol for quitting with medical, medical therapies. therapies. Okay. And um, I'm not. I just want to pull it and have it um, discussed. Okay. But with that, I'll move. I'll second. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to make a comment. I'd like to recuse myself from voting on item 2A, which is a O-Care medical group contract. I'm an employee of O-Care. Right. I think you actually technically have to leave the room. So, okay. Yeah. So, so I'm happy to be kicked out. So let's pull out. Let's pull out on 2A. Okay. So could you so, go? Yes. And then let's have a motion on 2A. <laughs> I'll stand up. Uh, move approval of 2A, the contract. I'll All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? No. Okay, you can come back now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you. But don't tell them what we did. And so we, we have to my house. I get kicked out of rooms all the time. And we ha had a motion already for the rest of the consent uh, agenda minus the one um, uh, uh, policy. Uh, and we had, did we have a second? Yes. We did have a second. Thank yeah. you, Trustee Thompson. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Any abstentions? All right, it passes. And now let's discuss the protocol for coordinating meals with medical therapies. Do we have the staff the ability to do that at this moment? I don't know, actually. Uh, I would, I'm sorry. I was asking the world. Yeah. Uh, I would just suggest, um, only because in my time I've been here, this is the first time someone has questioned the policy yeah. that was coming forward. So it may be perfectly okay, but let's just send it back to staff, have them review it one more time, and bring it forward. So, that would make excellent yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back to QPS. So we're back to QPS. So we're back to QPS. No, I think, I think it's appropriate to dialogue on anything. We do, I want to recall that it went through five levels of the organization to get to approval. It went through the nutrition committee, the PMT committee, the Clinical Practice Council, the Patient Care Leadership Team, and then the Medical Executive Committee. And two of them were last year, yeah. so a year and a half ago. So, yeah. so folks, said this, so we know how that, that, that a, a 
process flow was followed. There is a priority which the organization could have as to the nursing representation on each of those. I can't tell you that because I don't know. Uh, but, but the comment was brought forth by a nurse. So I think it's perfectly appropriate to talk about, uh, to take off and then talk about. Uh, and my, my intention was just to get clarification about the issue that was raised by staff. I don't necessarily, I, I just don't understand why it was, why um, our staff and leader brought it up. And so I just wanted to understand it from that lay person, I mean, clinical. So I'm sorry, I'm looking at long-term members of the team. See, I, I, heard, I heard the comment. I just don't know if there's anyone who, who is uh, prepared to sort of speak to it. And if there aren't, then I'd be happy to bring it back if there is someone. I can. Or you could just write, if, if someone just can write, respond and, and, and explain what the issue was, and then so, I'll... So as the chair of QPC, I'll, 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 I'll reach out and I'll, I'll gather data on that, and I'll present that at the next QPC. Yes. So if yeah. staff wanted to further detail concerns, they could at that meeting. If I could, though, to, to your point, um, this was a passed by QPSC at our last meeting. So now it's coming to this meeting. Today it's passed. Today it's passed. Uh, so there's not a lag time between. So everything that is on QPSC consent is on We've delegated authority to the QPSC, but but this body can, of course, pull back. That's correct. Okay. No, that, my, yeah, my question is, when there's a policy that's on the QPSC agenda prior to this meeting, the same day, it's on both agendas. So, correct. I, I, I mean, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 If, if it didn't pass that committee, then, then we modify it when okay. it came here, but uh, so long as it does, then it, so it comes to So, to trustee... To, to Rose's point, the, then if they, if the nursing staff had come to the QPSC meeting, I guess they could have flagged it then. But, <laughs> it's not the first time we've actually pulled a policy. We did this on visitation a few years ago, as you yeah. recall. We weren't. We had heard that the policy didn't work for families, and we pulled it, and it was rewritten, and then we approved it. So I think it's totally reasonable. I actually appreciate the fact that they did articulate a concern, so that you guys can do a deeper dive at the committee level. Great. Excellent. Uh, do I need a motion on that, or is that it? Okay. But I move I that it uh, be uh, delegated back to the, the QPS. QPSC committee for further review. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Excellent. Thank you so much. All right. That brings us to the end of the consent calendar, correct? Yes, sir. All right. We are on. Okay. Um, financial report, Dr. So, uh, in, in in our usual form, uh, there's we we uh, present the financial report here just as a continuation of finance committee. So it's a question, uh, you know, if there's 
any questions at either the committee chair or uh, who also presents mm -hmm. the report or others. And then we're happy to entertain the questions from any of the non-finance committee members, but otherwise, I guess the finance committee members could ask questions too. <laughs> You've heard it all, so mm -hmm. okay. So I guess I just have a process question. Yes, sir. Will um, the staff and the finance committee have a discussion about the process for having the study session at the retreat around uh, the current financial condition at the next committee meeting? So what we what we typically do is work with the uh, the ad hoc committee that Got the chair it. puts together to work on the various components of the agenda, and then uh, various members of the either the uh, committee or the leadership will work with other trustees to kind of uh, pull that education together. So if there are comments or thoughts or things that uh, either the uh, committee members, uh, well, I, I, I I would just recommend that uh, the ad hoc committee work with the chair of finance um, because of the details. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. And I just want to point out, if any uh, member of the board has input to give, as long as it's not a, um, as long as you don't create a serial meeting by having a back and forth dialogue with a quorum, then we're okay. But I, I do want, I mean, the whole point of having ad hoc uh, development of the agenda is not to make it exclusive to those individuals, but that was the nature of the question. Yeah. I want to just make sure we have. Yes, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I want a robust conversation at the retreat. I want it to be productive. We're going to spend all day. I want to make sure we come out of there uh, aligned. And so, whatever detail you think is important, uh, please share it with with the ad hoc folks or with Delvecchio, and they can they can fold it in. Um, I'll give you an example. Trustee Jensen also suggested an item which I support, which we will fit into the agenda of a, 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 a organizational chart for all of us to have. It's not something we're going to have to spend a lot of time on, but it's going to be a resource that's going to be helpful for us. And if other little details, uh, Trustee Banerjee pointed out that it's really not just finance but audit, uh, and I think you have an audit exercise that we're going to do. Well, I know that um, that little module training that the leadership cohort has been doing, right. so a shopping version of it, right. yeah. something like that, if it was an interactive little piece. That was part of the discussion from audit committee. Yeah. Compliance, yeah. but a lot of finance, definitely like heavy. Right. Right. As long as the results of our training aren't published, because, you know, not so good. <laughs> I got to college entertaining my professors, so I'm not sure. Sure. And, and there will probably be a wacky icebreaker. I'll just warn oh, you now. Oh, 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 or questions on the financial report. We did cover it pretty extensively in the in the finance committee. Okay. Anything else? So um, our CLO report. So I think similarly to, to um, Mr. Finley, I mean, we presented this in detail at the Finance Committee. I'm certainly very happy to answer any questions you may have. Anyone that has it, uh, that had a chance to review it uh, in your in your package. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Luis. Yeah, it's a good report. Good report. Yeah, it was great. Well done. It's really helpful. Thank you. Uh, I guess in that case, so everything else on here is just included in your. Packets. I know, uh, Trustee Jensen, we have a human resources report. I don't know if it made it in packets, but we have a printed copy here. And we ordered. And I think with that, we are... Uh, 
adjourning to closed session, am I correct? No way. Yeah. Awesome. Believe it or not. Uh, so we are uh, adjourning to closed session. Uh, and it's not dark out yet. Just to be clear, that's under the code section 54657. So. The board met in closed session to discuss um, employee uh, performance evaluation. No action was taken and we adjourned at 8.40.